Welcome to the latest episode of Ex Parte Communication, our podcast. I am Ginger Avery, Chief Executive Officer of the Alabama Association for Justice. Today we're going to highlight the partner firm of Henniger Garrison Davis. As we've traveled over the state this year, we've heard many glowing stories about Steve Henniger and the job that he's done for years leading that firm and doing his practice. But in my opinion, the real rock star of the firm is his son, Eric. I have a saying, as the officers know, leader got to lead. Well, I can tell you firsthand that Eric has led us tremendously through the first six months of his presidency, and I know that we will be in great hands as we go toward this year's legislative session. So I want to say thank you to Henniger Garrison Davis for being a partner and for helping this association, and a special thank you for supporting Eric as he leads as every leader should. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ex Parte Communications, the official podcast of the Alabama Association for Justice. I am your good friend and host, Gavin King. Uh, I practice down at Beasley Island here in Montgomery, Alabama, and I am thrilled uh, to be sitting uh, at Allergy headquarters with our fearless leader, uh, this the current president of the Alabama Association for Justice, Eric Henninger. How are you? I'm good, Gavin. I don't know about the word fearless, and there's a lot of fear in this body, but uh, I'm glad to be here and appreciate you doing this. Well, fantastic. Well, we're thankful for the work that you're doing. Glad that you have taken some time to come to the capital city um, and speak with us about what's going on in our association. Um, Before we do that, uh, I want you to just tell the folks who may not know a whole lot about you a little bit about yourself Uh, and about your practice and how you came to be a plaintiff's lawyer. Sure. Let's see if I can cram 50 years into just one minute. So uh, Eric Henniger, I practice in Birmingham with my firm, Henniger Garrison Davis. I was born in Columbus, Georgia at Fort Benning. My dad was stationed there. And then he moved to Birmingham to go to Cumberland Law School. And I've lived there the remainder of my life. So I went to school at Birmingham Southern College. Law school at Cumberland, at the Sanford campus, and then started practicing with him um, 2000, 2001. Uh, and so that's that's my story. I'm a father and husband, uh, mm-hmm. two kids, one in high school and one getting ready to get out of elementary school. So they keep me very busy and sure. eliminate any time for hobbies. <laughs> um, and, and you ask how I got into the plaintiff's business. And that, that's an interesting and circuitous route. Initially at, at Birmingham Southern, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an English teacher because I had, like I said, my dad's a lawyer. Sure. He's a plaintiff's lawyer. So I'd seen the time that he would have to spend, the hours at work and, and reading. And as a high school student, that seemed the exact opposite of what I wanted to be doing. Then kind of grew up a little bit and, and dab- dabbled a little bit in some teaching and realized that it's going to be very difficult to raise a family on a teacher's sure. salary. And I didn't look good in the tweed jackets with a pipe. And so I think uh, you could pull it off if you wanted to. I tried. It, it really was not a good look for me. <laughs> and then I decided with that background, being a, a double major in English and philosophy, there's really not much you can do if you're not going to write in the newspaper. And so I went to law school and very, very fortunate to have 
stumbled into Cumberland. It's just a fantastic school, a great trial program. Yeah. And that's really, it just clicked with me. I really enjoyed law school. I, that was, if I look back, that was the best time of my life, those three, three years. And so I loved it uh, and did well enough that my father thought that I would make a good addition to the firm. And I knew I wanted to be a plaintiff's lawyer because the prior year um, I had worked at a defense firm, a well-known defense firm, and it was absolutely miserable keeping time and doing boring stuff. So I, I was glad that I had the opportunity and it's been a great fit and I've never looked back. Fantastic, what kind of work are you doing day to day when you're not busy being president of the association? Uh, typically what I try to do when I'm not trying to um, handle the responsibilities with Alla J is, my focus primarily is on trucking accidents, okay. a lot of sexual abuse work, hmm. um, also do a good bit of nursing home, medical malpractice, those are the types of things that I focus on. The firm is very diverse, um, kind of mimics what Beasley does a little bit with their mass tort class action group, sure. and then also what we call the single event section. So that's, that's what we do, but I, I'm strictly single event work. Fantastic. Um, so you're obviously busy, you've got a law practice, you're a family man, um, and now you've taken on the responsibility of being very, very engaged in the association. Tell me a little bit about how you initially got engaged in, in LJ. That's a great question. And, I, and the short answer is there, there are three people that I would say really led me to where I am right now. <clears throat> but before I get there, I would say before I got engaged, I was like the vast majority of our members and plaintiffs lawyers thinking that Trial lawyers put on a couple of good parties a year, uh, sponsor some CLEs, kind of help lawyers develop some skills in trial practice. And I'll tell you that the two of the three uh, are past, actually all three are past presidents, but two, two folks, Josh Hayes and Ken Riley, uh, just decided for whatever reason, I don't know if they were low on folks or they saw something in me, uh, but they encouraged me just to take that next step. So I, I was on the board with my first years when Jeff Rocket was president and Ken was in the rotation. And both of those men, Ken and Josh, just tremendous leaders, uh, really trying to get people involved. It's not all about them, they're very humble. And so they were just a real instrumental in encouraging me to take that next step, just a little step. See if you like it. If you don't like it, then take that step back. But just get involved a little bit. And the third person is Mike Ermer, who mm, passed yeah. earlier this year. It was when I was a board member, and I would come down to Montgomery once a month. And there was some weird bill that he was working on. And I remember we were in the Speaker Pro Tem's office. And it was all, it was a lot for me to take in. You know, I'm, I'm me, never been in the state house <laughs> before. And now I'm with our president in the Pro Tem's office working on a bill that has to do with hogs and that immunity. It's just really weird stuff. And Mike pulled me aside, and I'd never done anything like this before. And he said, look, this is what they're wanting to do. This is the language that they've got. What do you think we should do? You're asking me what I would do? And I said, I just put these two words in here. And he goes, it's a good idea. And as we walked off, I was thinking, that was really easy, but that was also really cool. I mean, yeah. Just two words protected what we do. I don't know how much hog litigation we get involved in, but... I thought that's where the bug happened. It's just by him 
inviting me to participate and listening to me and giving me a small voice at that time, it was just, it was all I needed. So that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get in a rotation and, and here I am seven years later. Yeah, interesting that you say that. I've said this before. Um, one of the first pieces of litigation I worked on when I got to Beasley Island was litigation that we're engaged with, with Bob Prince and Josh Hayes, and uh, who are, have been on this podcast, friends of the pod, I should say. Uh, and it was a conversation with him on a Zoom call when I had been practicing a few weeks. Josh said, hey, I think you should get involved in Allergy. I didn't know what Allergy was, quite frankly. He said, I'm going to have an email sent to you. Uh, and that was my kind of introduction into emerging leaders and has, um, you know, probably a short but winding road even to hosting this podcast. But it's interesting how different people in our practice can kind of tug on our uh, on our hearts to get engaged in a way that we might not otherwise. And that's a probably good encouragement to people who are listening to this, probably lawyers that they know uh, who are not engaged, who could be good at it uh, if they would just uh, take some time to come down, see us and, and get involved. Absolutely. And I, I don't think Ken or Josh know what impact they had. And so people that you talk to, Gavin, you can impact them the same way. Hopefully I've impacted somebody that way. I don't know it, but I would like to think that, you know, I, I'm pretty open, inviting everyone that I can to get involved, trying to figure out a way to plug them in. I just think it's invaluable. Yeah. I'm one of the things that I've just started doing, uh, you guys are everywhere. Uh, Johnny's everywhere. Uh, and one of the things I've started doing is if I'm having a conversation with somebody that I know is not really engaged is just saying, hey, Johnny, uh, you need to meet this person. Um, because even if I'm not the best at explaining what they can do to help, what they can do to get engaged, uh, she is. And uh, she is fearless in her willingness to go out and, and help lawyers know what our mission is. So um, there are obviously other ways to do it, but I, I've just found that to be a helpful yeah, one myself. Staff is tenacious and fantastic. Um, what's your, and we, we've talked about this a little bit, but what's your best kind of pitch for lack of a better term as to why people should get engaged? And when I say people, I mean, you know, trial lawyers in Alabama, why should they be engaged or more engaged even in the association for justice? That's a really broad question. I know it's intentionally so. And so I, there are so many different levels. There are lots of good trial lawyers out there that aren't even members of the association. Yeah. And to that group, I would love to think that they're listening. I hope they are. <clears throat> I would say that there are a number of things. First of all, it's camaraderie, yeah. which is invaluable to be able to lean on folks and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is a defense lawyer that I'm having trouble with. This is a judge I'm about to try a case in front of. This is my case. Can you help me out on some issues? I have not met anyone that's not willing to grab your hand and walk through that fire with you. Most of them won't even expect a fee. Yep. They just enjoy the process. And then the resources that this association provides for very little money are uh, invaluable. Uh, so there's the listserv that if you... If you don't have that lawyer that's across the street that you can go talk to, you can jump on the listserv and you get all those same benefits. Then I mentioned the CLE a little flippantly, but we offer some fantastic CLE stuff um, that is going to be really, really helpful to a lot of our lawyers. Um, so that's one good thing. If you're a young lawyer, we've got the EL group, which I know that you're a big part of. That Again, the camaraderie is there, kind of growing up together and, and leaning on one another. 
Um, as far as members who are kind of on the periphery that we would like to see more engaged, I would like to see more people come down and see what goes on during the legislative session. I don't think many of our members fully appreciate the amount of work that goes into it or what this staff does with very, very little. Um, bill reading day is going to be March 8th, and it is going to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. There are going to be hundreds and hundreds of bills, uh, half of which will want to impact our practice in some way or another. We are aware right now of three potential bills that will directly impact every one of our members and plaintiff's lawyers across the state. Hmm. It should send some fear <clears throat> into members and non-members. But then if you can't come to bill reading day, then just pick a day. Let me know or let the staff know. I just want to come down there on Tuesday and walk with you. And that'd be great. We'd love to have you. And we will take you and introduce you to your representative and your senator because they want to hear from you, not from me. Sure. They're going to hear from me all the time. And just get a sense of what we face on a daily basis because not many people appreciate it that you know, we are truly the last line of defense. There is no one else in this state, no one, that cares about immunity, that cares about trucking regulation, that cares about dram shop issues, that cares about municipal caps. No one does. And if we weren't there, I don't know what the practice of law would look like mm -hmm. in this state. I'm a, a member of the Association for Justice over in Mississippi. <laughs> and that practice has yeah. really taken a hit because of tort reform. And they face that every year. They don't have the relationships. They don't have the commitment or engagement from their members. And so those plaintiff's lawyers suffer. Yeah. I don't want to see that happen in Alabama. And we work every day and stay awake late at night worrying about those things. So. Those are some of the reasons. There are probably dozens more, but those are the ones that are top of mind right now. Sure. As you were talking before you even brought it up, so I, I went to undergraduate school in Mississippi, and um, I've got a lot of friends who are lawyers over there. And there are times, even among young lawyers, where I hear young lawyers sometimes feeling a sense of desperation about plaintiff practice in Alabama. Uh, and I think it's a real testament to this association when you look at some of our peer states. You look at a place like Mississippi, Look at a place like Tennessee. Look at a place like Texas. Um, things could be could be far worse. Yeah. Um, and I think we've done a, a pretty good job at um, you know holding some things at bay, uh, and even at times being proactive about some things. And um, that's a, a real testament to the work that's getting done. And as you put it, with with sometimes scarce resources. Um, tell me this: What are um, you're uh, well into your presidency now. Um, we're heading into a new year, which is kind of naturally when people start to think about, um, you know, start to kind of cast vision. What are we focused on right now? Um, what are we looking forward to in the year to come? Uh, what are some things that you're hoping to make sure we get accomplished uh, before you hand off the baton? That's a really good question. So I, I took office, or I was installed as president, six months ago. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and my broad umbrella of want to do was engagement and communication. And that takes on many different forms for many different people. But as we looked around to different associations, we've mentioned Mississippi, there's also uh, Georgia and Tennessee, and then there are also the specialized, you got the national, AAJ and sure. all the various niche niche groups that we can be members of. I'm sure there's products liability specific groups that you can pay dues to. And we were seeing lawyers that really decided, you know, 
I only do employment work. So I'm just going to be in, involved in this one employment association that's national. And I don't want to be a state TLA member. Things of that nature. We were seeing some of our younger members just not be very enthusiastic about being a member or weren't really engaged in what was going on. And our older members weren't either. And so what we had decided to do, what I decided to do, and, and the staff has been just tremendous in getting some things done, is really focus on the young lawyers yeah. and really saying yes to everything. This podcast, yes. Whatever it is, yes. Uh, kickball team, yes. Uh, dual track silly, yes. If it gets our young lawyers interested and energized, I'm all for it. And what we've seen in a short period of time, six months, is a tremendous amount of energy really starting to, to, to take up from the grassroots level from our young lawyers. We had Rolling Justice Tour where we went to seven cities across the state. Record turnout. Now, that's also because we're coming out of COVID. Sure. People want to get out and see each other and shake hands for real, not just over the screen. But that was exciting. And then we had just last week, uh, the young lawyers, our EL group, had a party in Birmingham. More people that I have ever seen at a CLA with two judges, standing room only. It was jammed up in there, yeah. And we've hosted that party for 10 years, and mm. that energy surpassed it tenfold. Wow. So that's exciting. That's where it comes from. And with the young lawyers being energized and engaged, the middle-aged lawyers suddenly are. And that energy and youthfulness spreads to our older lawyers who now want to come to things and speak to the young lawyers and impart some wisdom that they have. So that was the goal. We've been very fortunate at this point to accomplish it. You ask what we're going to see the next six months. And that's when the real work begins. Sure. I mean, I've been busy, but I'm a little, you said fearless. I have fear about what the next six months is going to look like. Um, I mentioned the dual track silly, something we've never done before. And it's brand new. And Wes Laird, who is the program chair, has done an amazing job. We've got some great speakers in a traditional trial advocacy track. But when we talk to our young lawyers, there is a, a real need for, if I'm out on my own, how do I get business? How do yeah. I get loans or lines of credit? How do I compete with these large marketing firms? And so Wes has gone out and found some folks that can speak to that and really impart some wisdom. I'm interested in those speakers too because I face that every day in my firm. So that's something exciting. Uh, we've got some real opportunities to engage with our legislature that we're really going to try and take advantage of because that's going to be important. And we've got some other things that we're looking at to kind of keep the energy going through the whole association up until March. <clears throat> and that's when the real work begins. March 8th, excuse me, March 7th, when our legislature goes into session. They'll be there until June 29th, I believe. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at a lot of issues that will impact our practice or could impact our practice. And so we're starting to kind of get, we're getting ginned up for those kind of issues having to deal with. So a lot of work is on the horizon. Yeah, a lot going on. Um, but yeah, thankfully, I think you got some good help around here. And I know we, myself included, um, hopefully there'll be plenty of people who uh, make their way to the state house with you, uh, to link arms with you. It's going to be a lot going on. Uh, and every year is um, a new battle, but in some sense, the same battle um, that we're fighting. And so uh, looking forward to, to being in the trenches with you and, and doing whatever we can uh, to help the practice of our members and to help uh, 
consumers and individuals around Alabama. I look forward to having you. Um, I, I want to, um, if we could, talk about some of the things that uh, you kind of just mentioned. What are some of the things that are coming up that our members should be aware of? Um, I don't want you to to necessarily have to be, you know, a fire and brimstone preacher and scare people to death. But what are some things our members should know about what's coming up in this session, things that are really important that could affect their practices? Yeah, I'll tell you some things that we know is coming or know are coming. And there are certain things that that I'm concerned that I see uh, from other states that are going to make their way to to our state. One thing that we know is coming is road builders immunity. Um, doesn't impact a great swath of our membership, but are very important important cases. Essentially, the road builders now um, you can sue them under three circumstances. Basically, if they if there's a latent defect or if they if they don't follow specs, um, and then there's another really kind of weird loophole that you can sue them in. It doesn't happen very often. What they are now seeking is when there is a project to build a road, build a bridge, repair a road, repair a bridge, that the awarding authority, uh, once they accept the project and the awarding authority can be the state, Mm -hmm. can be a county, can be a city. Once that's done, the road builders are now asking for immunity, essentially washing their hands of any liability once it is turned over. And so if you take a step back and think about what impact this has, the state really doesn't have the manpower to inspect every road and bridge that's being, un, that's being constructed or repaired right now. And so they are accepting a project without knowing whether there's liability there or not. If the road builders have immunity, there is no one else. You can't sue the state. You can sue a city, but you're capped. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to sue a county. And so you've got some really serious injuries potentially. And these cases usually have very serious injuries or death with no one yeah. responsible. Real problem. And so that's we know that that's going to be a fight. We've been gearing up for that fight for the past three months, uh, and we will continue to do so. Another issue that we're aware that's coming is a dram shop. Um, we've got uh, a few cases out there right now that suggest that we have a strict liability statute, which is not true. Uh, and what the insurance industry has done is taken a look at those cases and decided that they're going to rate us one of the worst in the country as potential liability. And in turn, they have jacked up the premiums on bars and restaurants and, and other kind of retailers that sell alcohol. It's made it very difficult for them to stay in business. And so there's been a proposal about rewriting our dram shop law. I've seen it. It's not good. It would make it extremely difficult to practice a or to litigate a dram shop case in Alabama would become extremely difficult. They're already difficult. Sure. And so we're at work right now trying to figure out how we can negotiate because I think there is a need to negotiate. We don't want these bars and restaurants to go out of business. We want them to be able to stay open. Yeah. Uh, it's good for business, good for tourism, but there also has to be some accountability there sure. uh, for when they do something wrong. So that's something that we're looking at. Municipal Caps has... Uh, been mentioned uh, there are some issues out there we all know all of our members know the caps are too low and we know that you can sue an employee of a city and quote unquote get around the cap maybe 
still very difficult. So we're trying to figure out a solution. There, there's a lot of moving parts in that, but I think it's really important. If we get an opportunity to fix it, we're going to try and fix it. Some things that I'm concerned about, uh, I am concerned about some trucking regulations that have been taking place. Uh, some states have been enacting uh, either civil procedure rules, which make it difficult to find real justice against trucking companies, or just enacting some different legislation uh, that just changes or supplements the, the regulations, the federal regulations right now. Again, when that happens, it's never good for our association. It's not like they're going to come in and say, we want to raise limits. I, I love them to do that. It's just not going to happen. We haven't heard of that coming to Alabama yet, but I just know from the sister states that some of our folks like looking at uh, some legislation coming from there. Another issue that's been a hot topic in our elections, abortion. Mm -hmm. I fully anticipate there's some legislation dealing with that and I don't know what that looks like does that impact our associations it could as far as medical liability cases hmm. I know the medical association is very concerned about it so that's something that we're going to have to be on the lookout for that could really log jam the state house if something like that happens but it, it could so again like you said it's not fire and brimstone uh, I'm not telling us that we're about to lose our practices <laughs> but I am telling us that we have got to remain uh, involved we've got to remain present and, and willing to work and that's what we're doing fantastic um, we're going to pause right here and take uh, just a brief moment to hear from the Alabama Association for Justice and we'll be back in just a moment with our final segment for our fellows highlight we are going to give a shout out to physician life care planning Michael Cox and his team. When I think of our fellows, I think of the support that they financially and otherwise give all of our association and our staff. It's why we get to continue to have the motto, good lawyers and good laws. But I also think of the help that groups like Physician Life Care Planning give to our members as they try to help a family that is in the worst place they've ever been. So let's take a moment right now just to say thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank your team for all those families that you have helped through our members in their cases. We appreciate you. And a big shout out because as we revamped the Fellows Program, it was that organization that stepped up first to be a Platinum member. So when you see them, Please not only give them a thumbs up, but give them a big hug, too. Welcome back to Ex Parte Communications, the official podcast of the Alabama Association for Justice, uh, a podcast for Alabama trial lawyers about Alabama trial lawyers by Alabama trial lawyers. And we are uh, continue to be grateful for uh, Eric Henninger joining us. Uh, as we do with all of our guests, we ask them to come armed with their best war story uh, for my favorite segment of the podcast, The War Room. Uh, and so I'm going to give the mic over to Eric and let him tell us about his best war story and we'll welcome our listeners into The War Room with us. When you told me you were going to ask this question, and thank you for giving me advance warning, <laughs> I had to think which one would be best. And so this one may qualify. I have several others. But as a background, I cut my teeth 
doing med mal work. So those of you that are looking for trial experience and really want to embrace the David and Goliath theme, <laughs> uh, I invite you to go ahead and accept a medical malpractice case. If you really want to have the full flavor, uh, sue an individual surgeon uh, and, and base the allegations on his judgment. Uh, those are next to impossible. And that usually ends in heartache and a, and a lighter wallet. <laughs> so that's what is involved in this story. It's a med mal case, and I'm going to have to use some discretion in the way that I tell this story, but I'm also going to invite the listener to use inferences to fully appreciate the circumstances. So this was, again, a med mal case. My client was, uh, at the time, she was a, a divorced female, obese, uh, not particularly attractive, and very loud-spoken and very certain in her opinions, which never makes for a good plaintiff, especially in a med mal case. <laughs> and the allegation involved, she was having an OBGYN procedure, and it involved the need to use a cautering device. And in doing so, there were numerous burns and injuries in a very sensitive area, and the allegation was that it was not properly grounded. And so as a result, she suffered these burns, resulted in scarring and um, pain during intercourse. Mm -hmm. Now remember I told you it's a single female mm -hmm. in Jefferson County, Alabama. And that's really her primary harm. Okay. I didn't accept this case. Like I said, I was a young lawyer charged with trying the case. So during uh, her cross-examination, the defense lawyer did a very good job of exposing the fact that she was a single female complaining of pain during sex. And he was also very critical and asked a lot of questions on the lack of evidence of those injuries, primarily being photographs. Why don't we have photographs of these things? And again, hopefully discretion will prevail here. She said, look, I'm not going to take pictures of that. And so he said, okay. And his point was made. So we break for the day, and there's an opportunity for us to redirect the next morning. In Jefferson County Courthouse at the time, there were witnesses, witness rooms outside of the courtrooms that had frosted windows, so you could see if somebody was in the room, but you couldn't tell what they were doing. And the jury was going to be back at 9. That's when we were, going to, that's when we were supposed to start. <clears throat> we had her there at 8 o'clock to kind of prepare her for some of the things that we were going to go over. She knew to be in this room. This was our room. We had taken it over for the purposes of trial for that week. Well, she had her partner with her, and her partner happened to be female. And as me and my partner opened the door, there's a long table, kind of like this conference table that we're sitting at right now. Pretty sturdy, fortunately. And my client, the obese lady, was completely naked on the conference room table with her legs completely spread, and her partner taking pictures or trying to get the right picture of the scar. And you can imagine our dismay, our concern. <laughs> and uh, she quickly put her clothes back on, you know, the conversation, what in the world are you doing <laughs> with other various expletives that I've omitted. And she thought, you know, they were critical of me for not having these photographs. So I decided I was going to get you some photographs and you can ask me about them this morning. Now, Probably would never use them anyway, but I would have given some thought to the fact, had it shown any injury, the problem was with our case and hers, that there weren't any to be seen. 
And so you can probably predict what happened with the case. But that was that was something that's indelible <laughs> in my mind, and it's no pun intended. It is seared in my brain. Uh, but it, if we're sitting around drinking, that story usually comes up. So take a medical case at your own uh, demise. I have thankfully never run into that exact scenario. <laughs> I hope you don't ever. My yeah, my clients seem to keep their clothes on. Um, just been been good for my young practice so far. That's hysterical. And your mental health. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it seems as though it's, I can tell it's affected you for, for many years. So um, glad you came on the other side of that one. Uh, look, thank you for joining us. You've, you've got the mic in front of you. Uh, if there's anything at this point that you want to say uh, to those who are listening out there, uh, you are the president. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak now, forever hold your peace. Look, I want to thank Gavin, you for doing this. James, for you helping him. This is a great idea. Uh, it just shows the things that our young lawyers can do when they become engaged. So first of all, thank you for doing that. To the rest of our members, engage, uh, communicate. If you have a question, reach out to me. I will always answer you. I know our staff will, and our staff loves to hear from you. I want to hear from you, whether it's good, bad, or you have criticisms or comments or compliments. I want to hear all of them. And just know that this is in good hands. The staff here, Ginger, Justin, Johnny, uh, Kathy, James, amazing. Would not trade them for anybody. They do phenomenal work. I'm amazed at the kind of work that they can put out. And then our officer corps is top notch. I would put them against anyone at that state house. Very bright, passionate about these issues. And then our board is very involved in doing a lot of great things. Reach out, communicate, uh, engage, come to Building Day, come down to the State House with me, walk the halls, be part of the solution. I, I don't want you to not be engaged and come criticize me come July 4th because of a bad bill. I, I want you to be there. I need your ideas. I need your energy because it's a lot of work. But I, I will then just invite everyone to, to participate. I appreciate it. Um, there you have it. Eric Henninger, president of the Alabama Association for Justice uh, and a lawyer, Henninger, Garrison, Davis in Birmingham. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and to all of our listeners, uh, this will be our last podcast of this year. So I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a happy holiday uh, and a happy new year. And we look forward to you joining us uh, in 2023 uh, for Ex Parte Communications. Until then, uh, we'll see you and y'all go get some justice.